So have you ever called the 45 seconds before your kids wake up a vacation? Well, then you need some me time. Take some time for yourself with Pepperidge Farm Milano cookies. So for me, one of my favorite me times is when the kids go down. Well, after it takes about a two-hour time for them to go down. But I go out to my screen and porch. I start the fire and I sit outside and I have my Milano cookie. It has chocolate in it, which just makes it so amazing. Um, and I sit down and I have my Milano cookie. Milano cookies are the perfect treat to savor during my me time. They have just the right amount of cookie and luxuriously rich chocolate. They're the type of treats you won't want to share. And trust me, I never share them. I actually hide them from the kids. So remember to save something for yourself with Pepperidge Farm Milano. Disgraceland, a music and true crime podcast about musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly, hosted by me, Jake Brennan, is back with season five. And you're not going to want to miss new episodes on Guns N' Roses, Jay-Z, Prince, Ozzy Osbourne, Nipsey Hussle, Run DMC, Selena, The Rolling Stones, and more. You can listen to Disgraceland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rockerola. Wind Down with Jana Kramer and Michael Cawson, an iHeartRadio and People's Choice Award nominated podcast. What up, team? Well, <laughs> hello, everybody. We're just like silent going, what's happening? <laughs> I think the whole everybody is thinking that. Wow. What a nice, what a. Wow. I think I think <laughs> Hey everybody. Don't even know what to say. I'm about to take a shot of a uh, lemon ginger and cayenne pepper. You're going to say tequila. Shot no. of tequila to start this show. I uh I've never done a shot of tequila. Tequila. You want to take these together? Yeah, cheers, man. Cheers, babe. Hey. I think we're just going to let you guys be uncomfortable for a few minutes and then we'll uh see how it's going. Ah. Oh. <laughs> so gross. That was not good. Mm-mm. There's no lemon in there. Mhm. It was bad. Um, all right. So, I mean, obviously, the, the elephant in the room. Um, I will be very honest. I am just... I have a lot of anxiety around it. I had an anxiety attack this morning. I think... Um, I mean, going into last week's episode, we were not going to share what was going on. Um, I was honestly shocked that you shared, Mike, because... Of how real it was, but I understand why you did because our whole thing is that we want to like help people. But I think it was a, a massive lesson learned for Mike and I to not be so real time because we weren't united and we were still, it's like, I think it's okay to share scars, but I think when you have a wound that's still open, that's still open. I think that's, I see now on the outside of it, like that was not a good thing. I think we should have saved that for another time when we were in a better place. And I understand that it has helped a lot of people and I get that. And I'm so glad that it has, but it also has hurt worse because of the public conversation around it and the people. And because of where I'm still at with it, it's made my anxiety worse. It's made me feel more confused and so I think it's just and it's just kind of like put more salt in the wound so I mean looking back 
like I wish we would have waited to share such and I think that's a kind of a lesson learned for us because you know there's people out there thinking Mike actually cheated and it's like girl yeah so it's like Jesus so it's just you know or or the people are like he's never gonna stop cheating on you like you should leave like and it's just like they only see like the headline and not actually what happened and then you know, I have so many, and I love my friends for texting me. I love people that I haven't talked to in a while reach out to me. But at the same time, some of it's been, oh yeah, my husband, he relapsed again too. And I'm just like, and then I start getting in that cycle of this is the world that I'm in and this is, it's going to keep happening. And, and so then I start to just feed the wound. And, you know, to the point this morning where I was just like, I, I just need to take a break from looking at messages, looking at being on social, because I'm like, I just, my anxiety, and I hope like, and Mike knows this too, I was like, I don't, I don't, honestly just don't even know where I'm at. Like, I don't think he'll, I don't know, because it's just, it's hard, because he'll always say, well, I'm gonna, it won't happen again. And it's like, I've heard that so many times. But I, I think maybe now he sees how bad that wound is for me and the trauma of finding things whether he did something or not I just like I'm to the point of like a literally a nervous breakdown where I just can't physically handle it anymore and that's not the strength that I want to portray to my daughter to myself to anyone else out there too so hopefully I mean we've had this conversation but it's still you know it's just that was the the risky part about opening that do you agree mm-hmm. i'm sorry you're going I, through I, that i mean i appreciate it it's just it's just hard because i'm just like and you know i told michael the other day i was just like i don't believe that it there won't be another time and that sucks to like have to feel that because i've just uh, how do i believe that when i've heard so many times i'll never do it again i'll never do it again so it kind of puts me in this really awkward situation and it makes me look weak and to have to be like continuing to stick around whether he did something or he didn't. And, and I, I believe that he didn't. I believe like I know it wasn't a real person. I know all those things, but it's still it doesn't matter. It's just the it's why, the why is it weak to stay? Couldn't it be considered I'm strong? I'm not saying it's weak to stay. I'm not saying it's weak to leave. I'm just saying for me personally, where I'm at and how many times I'm now like. It's weakening me by staying. You say you're, you're not convinced it won't happen again. But what you mean by that is you're not saying you're not convinced he won't cheat again. You're not convinced he won't keep something from you again, right? Yeah. And that's and that unfortunately is the issue. It's like he's like, I didn't. And I was like, I know you didn't. I was like, but what is just the trauma for me is not him acting out the other women. Sure, that would hurt. But the trauma that I've had in this relationship is the finding out things. That's what I just literally, I was like, I don't even care how little it is. That is just the feeling of that again is so traumatic because of the past that it's just, I, and from this last time, like the the amount of anxiety and the, and the, the and like, I hope you see that I'm not physically able to handle another episode like that. Because it's just too, it's, it's, it, it just goes back to all the trauma from, from the discovery. And it's just, it's, it's overwhelming, which is, you know, obviously why I got upset last week's podcast. Um, but I think you see that now 
Yeah. And I just, I think my fear is, you know, where, why I'm kind of like depressed and a little like anxious ridden is because I, you know, I've been told it won't happen again. And I, I just fear, I don't, I don't, I can't trust that. And I think that's where my anxiety comes in is because when I can't trust something, I get more anxious and I want to be able to trust. And, and I understand too, that people make mistakes and people, I'm like, I'm not asking him to be perfect, but I need him to understand how deep that wound is for me when I discover something, no matter if he did something or not, that is just like, it's painful. And it, I, I just can't like physically hold that anymore. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about it and it's just, it's just that weird kind of like, we're not as close. Cause I think we're, I'm just, it's hard to lean in when I'm scared of leaning in to someone that I don't know if I can trust or not. Does that make sense? Perfect yeah. sense. So where do we go from here? I mean, you work through this in therapy as a couple, right? And that's, and that's hopefully you'll be able to get to that place again. Cause what you're saying now doesn't sound like things are great now and it doesn't sound very hopeful, but is there hope here? <laughs> That's your question to answer. No, it shouldn't just be on me. It's the work that, you know, we both have to do. It's not, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, it, I I mean, I just told him, I, I kind of just where I was at. I'm like, again, I'm not, I, I need to see, because it's like you saying I'll never do it again or I'll never put you in that position again. I can't believe. So I need to see something else to show me something different. So is it a different type of therapy? Is it a different type of communication? Is it a different type of something where then I can kind of have a little bit more safety around feeling like I can trust you? Whether you delete, you know, it's just, again, and I, I know for people that don't understand, you're like, who cares? He deleted it. But it's like, just the, the, the again, the trauma and the PTSD from discovering things a lot and frequently through the past couple of years is just added up to be so traumatic each time and wounding that it just doesn't feel safe. And when I don't feel safe, that's not a good environment for our kids. It's not a good environment for me. It's not a good environment for Mike. And I just want to somehow what I think what I'm trying to find is what, what will look different? What's going to look different that it's not just him saying, I won't do it again. Cause I, I can't hang my hat on that. And I am genuinely fearful that there will be a next time and how, and then knowing this, like, I think that scares me too. Cause I'm like, I don't want our relationship to end. I am hopeful and I want to be hopeful, but I'm also, I think I'm more scared than hopeful because I, I don't know what I can, I don't know. I don't know, but I guess I'll let you speak on that <laughs> I mean I didn't know we we're gonna dive so much into this well I don't think we really had a choice <laughs> uh, yeah um well, Mike yeah you haven't said much but you, you you must be hopeful for this situation right you must have oh yeah I I mean I am for sure I am for sure I mean I told Jan this morning I regret uh I regret that we shared last week. I do. It's done more damage than it has good. 
hands down. Sh- sharing it has. Yes. When in the past, it's it's brought us together. Um, but this hasn't. And unfortunately, it's like I didn't even know. I mean, that's part of uh, the benefit of me not being on social media is I don't see a, even a small percentage of the stuff that Jana has to see or deal with from comments or headlines or whatever. And I don't actively look it up because I just don't care. But knowing what that stuff has done to Jana, not that she hangs her head on that stuff either, but it doesn't help the situation. The fact that it's impossible to ignore that stuff, no matter what someone says, it's impossible. The fact that people are, are, I didn't even know this is news to me that people are reaching out to Jana saying that say whatever, that I'm probably still cheating or, or, I'll never stop or what I'm like are you f-ing kidding me but again those people I don't like they're like sex addiction isn't a real thing and then I'm like okay like they don't they don't know you know they well, don't they know f- themselves well Michael that's not very nice to say I don't care it's not nice to say they don't it's, think you're right shit but can change. a bully shouldn't bully a bully I stay I stay pretty political and I'm just saying, I you don't bully to bully. You know what I mean? I think those people are misinformed, and I feel bad that they're misinformed. I don't hang my hat on that. What I have a hard time with is like the yeah, people that if come. If, if you're bringing it up, you still it still has a carries weight with you. The the if we're being honest, like the stuff that carries weight for me is the the wives that are like with other addicts. Those are the things that, and again, like this is what's I think what what he's saying is. We share because we want to help. And I think, you know, obviously with the regret with this is we shared too soon because we weren't united, like I said. But the part that has hurt and, and, and been great at the same time is like, I love that people have reached out. I love that so much. But at the same time, reading those things and being like, yeah, my husband just, you know, same thing and he lied and I'm just, or or one didn't lie. And then it's that kind of back and forth where it's just, I love to help, but at the same time, I'm still dealing with my stuff and our stuff that it's that it's hard because it's like I'm hearing of another husband's relapse and I'm hearing of another husband's, you know, this. And it's like, especially with the addiction piece, it just makes it that much harder. So it's like I'm trying to be strong for these other women that are reaching out to me, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm still in kind of shambles. So, and it's just kind of, it feeds it a little bit as opposed to when we were stronger with our with coming out on things and we were able to be more solid in it. And so I think because I'm a little uncertain of our relationship or the, the, you know, the, if it'll never happen again, which again, I, I, I doubt the, that's that safety with it. So that's where, that's where it starts to feed into my insecurity and my anxiety. Is there anything that could make you feel more secure? I, I I'm trying to sort of think on it. And I don't know the answer. Or is it even working on you where you feel? Yeah, more I mean, secure? I'm starting um, an EMDR for just the, the trauma around discovery because I think that's such a, a heavy piece for me. But, um, you know, with Mike too, I think he's going to try other things that will help, hopefully, in situations. And him knowing, I think, now the depth of where my trauma goes with discovery. Maybe right, like, that'll be helpful with him not, um, or maybe not just 
thinking of you know thinking of him, himself i guess with it too mm-hmm. right sense? like i was thinking like what if he journaled and then you were able to read that journal you know what i mean where that way he doesn't have to like let's say he gets that text and he writes it in a journal like i got this text this is so stressful for me i delete it whatever and then you read that so that way the confrontation may, might be easier on him i don't know i'm trying to think of things that would because it i understood mike's position too where he deleted it because he wanted it to be gone and he didn't want to hurt you yeah no i get that i i do i understand that too it's unfortunate that both can be you can both we can both understand both those things unfortunately there's just that the boundary of which you know things shouldn't be deleted and then the repercussions of how i've said like finding things is more traumatic for me than the actual act well and even if your brain understands something your heart can still be broken by the same thing yeah for sure anything mike because i feel a little left out in the in the ocean today Um, no, I just, again, I wasn't sure how much we were going to talk about this and I I think it's just right now, I mean, all I can do is be as empathetic as I can with you and, and understanding and do whatever I need to do to continue to create safety around things. And I'm just... I'm having a hard time and I, you know, I said this the other day when Jana and I did a quick interview with Billy Bush on Extra and I was just like, I'm tired of looking like the bad guy. And it's, you know, and I, I mean, I do it to myself with these situations, so I get that, but it's the fact that things are getting blown to the degree that they are. It's just, it's just, like, every man has his breaking point. Again, I stay, I stay very, very above board and political when it comes to my reaction to to certain things and, and handling and not acknowledging, uh, trolls or headlines or Just so you know, though, if it makes you feel any better, the comments are, Jana's a weak piece of She's so stupid. She's she's an idiot for st- like they're being mean to me. I understand you not wanting to feel like a a bad person. Like a and I get that, but like just know that like it's not easy on my side either. Gina's I'm, I'm, weak, I'm not you know? I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it is. Well, we live in a TLDR world right now. Yeah, Too long, I mean, didn't read. And people just glance at the headline and draw all the conclusions they need to draw. I mean, people don't even read the headline anymore. They just kind of get some key words and just make their whole opinion off of it. So and it the sucks. Com- and, and, people truly, there was, yeah, and there was only one that said that. And it was actually a sports one. Well, what happens but is there was one, but it's... All the other sh- ones were... Right, it's so loud. Were, yeah. All the other ones just said, you know, topless, you know... Jana Kramer finds a topless photo on Mike's phone. So that's just what they that's just what they read. Yeah. And then assume. So that's like what you're saying. Like they just read the headlines. Well, and there's probably thousands again, of comments supporting you, but again, the negative ones just sound so much louder. Yeah, and 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 because, you know, I I tweeted someone else and I was just like 
someone said something about Mike and me in it. And I said, why don't you listen to the podcast before placing, you know, judgment Mm -hmm. and spewing hate? And then they're like, well, you just retweeted that. So now all your followers are being a bully back. And I'm just like, well, (laughs) (laughs) sorry. But Yeah. yeah. So I think it's, you know, at the end of the day, people will, if they want to invest, and I know the people that know our hearts and our story and they want to be there and we appreciate that. So it's it's spreading that, that um, we want to continue. Well, I'm sorry that you're feeling that you regret going public with this. Um, I do think it is very relatable to a lot of people. I think a lot of people have hidden something from their spouse that they thought was completely meaningless, no big deal, and they end up regretting it later. And I think everybody's found something suspicious somewhere and and reacted. So I think that that's really relatable. I'm sorry that you regret that um, or having second thoughts or whatever. But I do think it's helping a lot of people because a lot of people can relate to this. Well, issue. yeah, and I think Mark, I think Mark said this, but he even related like when things are so great, you don't want to have to then put a stop to how great things are by bringing in bad news. If I have bad news for my wife, I might sit on it for a day or two until I find the right moment. You know, because there's a yeah. there's and, a timing I, to these and I things. I totally get that. I totally get that. I think again, we're not upset we shared the story. It's we're upset that we shared in that time. Sure. Like live, sure. it was like yeah, yeah, happening. Yeah, that makes sense. Like we wish we would have shared it. Like Gina said at the beginning, it's like it's better when we share about scars, not open wounds. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. do you think could help moving forward? You know, is it more therapy? Is it, you know, I know Jana, you were looking at different different things the emdr thing looks really interesting i was just reading about it and i know people that have done it that have had great success with it we've both done um emdr at times and we're both going to do a more intensive a more intensive treatment around emdr but both for our own traumas around things around this scenario um just because it deals with two traumas that both of us have where Mine is trusting the truth and Janice is like the discovery and all of that. So it's, that's why this has kind of been so volatile is because it's two colliding traumas for both of us. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's something we just got to dive into and do the work around. And, and I was so, remember the other day I was like, I was like crying empathetically. I was like, I get that. I was like, and I'm sorry that like mine is the reverse of it because I'm like that must be so hard and like be so scary to come to me and tell me the truth like I have so much empathy for you that like that's that is part of your trauma I just can't ignore my trauma that's unfortunately the reverse side of it right and that's that's been that's why we've a big reason why we've been slow to really reconnect and get on the same page is because as soon like we'll both be we've both been empathetic with each other And we both understand, but then it's like, then we think about our trauma for a second and that's still, it just, they just collide both for both of us internally. It's just, it's hard. It is. It's really, really hard. And I think what's scary is that like for me, when I told them, I was like, I, I think again, what's scary is the, what happens the next time for me, because I just know I can't. And again, no matter what it is. And I think that's hard. Because it's that's, but that's my truth with it, you know. I have one more question. Yeah. We, we can move on from this, and I know you're dying too. Have there been normal moments over the past week, or is this tension just always there and always palpable? 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's just been really hard. Yeah. It's just been, it's just been tough. Yeah. I got a new car and that was a moment of happiness. Awesome. We saw that. I did a little retail little, therapy. The little things do help. <laughs> I didn't buy a sweater. I got a new car. <laughs> it was it was a it was a bigger problem. Deservingly yeah. so. I know. I was like, I want a new car. <laughs> I don't know. I had a therapist that said sometimes you just have to sit in it and sit in the grief and the pain. Because a lot of us too wanna why don't I feel better? Why isn't this fixed? Feel better, fix. You know, when it's like you just have to sit in it. Well, that's just it too, right? That's coming from two people who have done a lot of therapy over the years and are both people who have had crutches in the past. Mine being a full-blown addiction of running away from how you feel and stuff like that. We've both had those things. Everyone kind of has something. But the fact that we're just sitting in it, you know, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. Kind of to your point, Amy, like sometimes you just got to sit in it. Yeah, but I'm ready to like not sit anymore because yeah, I mean, yeah, I the don't other day want I was like, either. I'm about to have a, ner- like a nervous breakdown from like anxiety and I don't want to feel this like I'm but I guess I'm just like fearful of the next time. Which, That's what's which anyone in your position would would understandably think that would have fear around that. And there's the thing, unfortunately, there's nothing so, someone in my position can do or say in this moment to make it instantly feel better. It's just showing you different, showing you change, being consistent. You could like buy me flowers, maybe. <laughs> Mark. I know. <laughs> you just gave a little, <laughs> little things go a really long way. I don't know that I'm men saying, know like, that. You could show me you love me a little bit more by like writing me a note, little flowers. I don't know. I'm just like, that could help me. I forgot you're not acts of service. No, you cleaning the house does not do anything for me. I tried to to show you today, this morning. Thanks, but. By taking the kids physically out of the house at 730 in the morning so you could sleep. I mean, I appreciated it, but. (laughs) That's not how I receive love. That's how I receive love. It is. That's not how I receive love. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. we are going to, not to cross-promote, which means we're going to cross-promote. <laughs> um, we uh, are going to dive. Since we canceled last week's episode due to everything, because we are too fresh in things, we canceled our last Thursday's telly. Yeah, our telly Imperfect Harmony series. Because I was about to have a panic attack. So this Thursday, the 17th, we're going to do a live head-on conversation about all of this. Um and we're not like about it. We're going to answer questions. So yeah. if you guys have questions about your spouse or your right. couple. It's going to be around the topic of keeping secrets of all of that and how to handle it. So we are going to address this. We are going to talk about things around this topic. Um, so if you guys want to come interact with us, download the Telly app, T-E-L-L-I-E, Imperfect Harmony is our show. And we'll uh, we'll have a sit down about it. <sighs> Woof. Sorry about last Thursday. Let's take a break. Okay. Have you guys actually heard about the new show? Have you heard about this? It's called Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah, I heard it's unreal. It's an eight-episode limited series only on Hulu based on the 2017 best-selling novel by Celeste Ng. 
starring and executive produced by Academy Award winner Reese Witherspoon and Golden Globe nominee Kerry Washington. Oh, I actually did see this on Good Morning America because they were promoting it. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I love both of them together. Um, that's exciting. And now it's good for me to know that I can watch the first three episodes, March 18th. New episodes Wednesdays on Hulu. So the series follows the intertwined fates of the picture-perfect Richardson family and an enigmatic mother-daughter duo who move into town and upend their lives with devastating consequences. The series explores the weight of long-held secrets, the ferocious pull of motherhood, and what it means to be a mother, as well as the danger in believing that planning and following the rules can avert disaster. Check out the first three episodes on March 18th and new episodes every Wednesday only on Hulu. Wait, this actually sounds really good. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Do you want to own iconic luxury items at unreal values? Yes. (laughs) Well... Then go to the real real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury consignment from top designers, designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more at up to 90% off of retail prices. Honestly, the real has been great for us. Um, I know Mike found a watch the other day on there. I, I found a few shoes. Yeah, I saw some emails for, over my birthday for my birthday presents Jan was going on there for. Uh, yeah, I'm all about the deal. So whether you shop in store, online, or the app, get 20% off select items with promo code real. That's the real promo code real for 20% off select items. Let's get out of our world oh, and let's fake it. Let's talk, about, make let's, it. let's talk about somebody else's world. <laughs> so, Mark, <laughs> do you have any emails or anything for us? I do. Hope this doesn't make things worse. The subject line <laughs> oh, is he won't on. stop lying. Uh, this is from Jessica. <laughs> No, this is, this is totally different. This is a totally different situation. Uh, I just found right. out my boyfriend of three and a half years, while we were going through a rough patch, he unblocked his ex and started texting and FaceTiming. He says he was lonely and needed someone to talk to. I found out through her messaging her? me and telling me everything. When I first asked him about it, he denied everything and said, just block her. You know, he was doing the gaslighting thing. Oh, she's crazy. Just block her. But then she sent me the FaceTime pictures and the screenshots Mm -hmm. and the text conversations. And that's when he admitted finally to, yeah, he was FaceTiming and texting. Well, duh. She also told me that he went over to her house on the 4th of July. We were together on the 4th of July. Things were fine. They both say nothing physical happened, but I don't believe either of them. I think there's more that they're not telling me. Do I keep pushing them for proof of the truth? I don't know how to ever trust him again because he just keeps lying about everything. I feel like I'm going to be a total hypocrite, but leave. <laughs> total hypocrite. But I That's mean, not ser- really hypocritical. It's really not. I mean, kind of. He won't stop <laughs> lying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. I critical. Did he call her during a rough patch, did you say? That, that was the first part, is that he went to yeah. her house during a rough patch, but then she found Just out that he was at his place girl. on the 4th of July, and things were fine. Look, you're three and a half years in. You don't need in. proof for something what you know. That's the thing. You don't That's need proof it. for what you already know. And you know. So why do you want to continue to hurt yourself with that? Michael? <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know me I do that thing that's like good bad if 80% of the relationship is good and 20% is bad that's not that bad mm-hmm. but this uh, it sounds like she's just, overwhelmed with trying to find proof of him cheating which is or, or being with this other woman cheating or not well, and that's the I'm way to live why, well, I'm interested why the ex would send her so the ex-girlfriend was sending her all the messages and screenshots and stuff mm-hmm. but then she said 
that they weren't being physical. I thought that so was why weird the, too. Why would the ex send all that stuff, but then that's what she's going to withhold? So I that makes me want to honestly think that they aren't being physical. Regardless, the whole situation is inappropriate and wrong. Right. He's still sneaking around but, with her behind his girlfriend's back. Right. But it's like... Why I did don't the see ex why she out would... her friend? That's weird to me, but... Because she's jealous. Why the ex? What do you mean? I, I find well, it weird him. and that the ex called the current girlfriend. It's like, what's that about? Right. That's she's so weird to, to me and up. something I would never do. Yeah. She doesn't want to cheat well, with this guy, but she wants him single. Yeah. Yes. Oof. Same. Here. Here, here. Right. So it's like, why... I mean, why would she do that? Motives all over the place. It's not cool. And Jessica knows this. I edited out a few more examples of him not being honest with her just to make it a a shorter email for air. I mean, it's time to go. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean. Dad Mark says, say goodbye. That's a lot. And daughter Jana agrees. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we were all laughing. Just faking it till we make it. I also like that we have a guest coming in that we have to just act like we're fine. We are fine. Hey, I, I love it. Bo's going to be great. I'm so excited for Bo. He seems, I like, I mean, he's like a motivational speaker. Yeah, so. he's going to yeah. motivate, motivate us to be better. He's all about plan A. Mm-hmm. No Bo plan Eason, B. Formal football player. We're going to have just, a good good time with him. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. It's going to be motivating. We're going to leave here feeling great, energized. And no plan B's. And no plan B's. Just you and me, baby. And, oh, yeah. And the People's Choice Ooh. Award. Because if you oh, listened yeah. last week, you know they deserve it. They well, deserve it. Yeah, that is really true. I really, I, I gave tears. That is I true. I gave heartbreak. <laughs> if, if that doesn't give us, you know, some. Right. Their pain for your baby. listening pleasure seems like we deserve a People's Choice Award. Yeah, so if you guys don't mind going on, giving us a little sympathy. Is, sympathy. Some sympathy votes. This is the last week to vote. Give us some good out of this. <laughs> it ends Friday. It's pca.eonline.com. Maybe Tanya can give us some love. <laughs> <laughs> Wishful thinking. Away from her own viewers. All right, Bo is coming in. Let's get him. All right, so in case y'all didn't know, it's the 100th year of the NFL. Yeah, and more I definitely than, did not know that. You didn't know that? No. It's like everywhere, every Sunday. The 100th anniversary? Yes. It's Who on the cares? field. It's on the uniform. Everybody cares. Really? It's America's game. Who cares? Anyways, more than 1,800 <laughs> NFL players are game ready with sleep number beds for proven quality sleep. And I've been sleeping on the sleep number uh, all through my playing days as well. So they are amazing. Guys actually do use these. Sleep number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort, and support. So I like mine a little softer. Mike likes his a little... Even softer. Even softer. <laughs> the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably through the night. With Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping so you know every morning how well you've slept and gain insights for your best sleep. Come in during the fall where a Queen Sleep Number 360 smart bed is now only $13.99. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 600 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find one near you at sleepnumber.com slash Jana.
Okay, have you ever dreamed of being a character on Grey's Anatomy or, I don't know, let's say a contestant on The Bachelor? Well, there is an app that lets you do all that and more. It's called Choices. It's these amazing stories, but you are actually in the story and actually make choices along the way. So for example, one story is called Open Heart. Okay, you get to live with your friends in your first year of residency. You can focus on romance, medicine, or both, and it's so fun either way. And there's a story called America's Most Eligible, where you try to build relationships with the other contestants and try to land the man of your dreams. And those are just two. There's a bunch, okay? There's Royal Romance, which is like the Princess Diaries. Love that one. Uh, There's a story called Baby Bump, one called The Royal Masquerade. It's free and you are in control. Plus, there are super cute outfits that are totally customizable. Hot love interests. Sorry, babe. Lots of romance. It's kind of the perfect app for wind-down listeners. Be sure to check it out in the App Store and search for choices. Stories you play. All right, I'm super excited for our guest today. You know, we have a lot of... uh... A lot of different kind of guests on the show. Very seldom do we get an expert athlete <laughs> that I can sit here and rap with. So I'll let Gina, honey, I'll let you chime in every now and then. But Wait, a wag y- wasn't good enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not the kind yeah. I was looking for. <laughs> okay. But we'll get into, we'll dive into everything right now. But please introduce Mr. Bo Eason here on the show woo-hoo! today. Woo-hoo! You're like, woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bo, so give our listen- listeners a little bit of your backstory. You elevator pitch. Elevator pitch. Elevator pitch. I played in the NFL. So did my brother. How many years did you play again? Five. Five. Oh, same as you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at your guys' stuff uh, earlier today. Which yeah. teams did you play for? Sorry, I'm I got drafted by the Houston Oilers okay. in 1984 and then played for, with them for four years okay. and then got traded uh, to San Francisco in uh, 89. The Raiders. No, they weren't 49ers. the Raiders then. Oh, San Francisco. Oh, who's the Raiders? Yeah. Oakland. 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 Shoot. Okay. Yeah. They were, they were actually. <laughs> this is why we don't do uh, football <laughs> on, right. on the podcast. The Raiders were actually LA at that time, 84. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was also one, so give me a break here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You were born in 83. I just saw that. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. Okay, keep so, going. And, uh, and so when I got done, um, like we all do so soon, mm-hmm. you know, um, I wrote a one man play and it went to Broadway and it became this hit and it got bought as a movie and it ran for like 15 years wow what was yeah. the play called run to the litter run to the litter. it's a one-man show it's actually a, like a cain and abel type story between my brother and i actually and it's kind of semi-autobiographical about two guys two brothers who grow up best friends and then eventually they are pitted against one another and have mm-hmm. to destroy each other to to make their dreams come true but they happen to be best friends so it's uh it uh, it got a lot of attention in, in New York, and it was it was great. And then uh, while I was there in New York, um, business people kept coming to the show, and they knock on the um, you know like titans of industry. They knock on the stage door, which never happens, you know, in, in on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Hey, can you bring this show to my to our company?" And, I, and Don and I, for years, were like, "No." What, what are you talking about? This is a theater piece. Right. We don't bring this to companies. And they go, no, no, you got to bring it. And five, six years, we said no. Mm. And one time, one guy came in and goes, hey, it's the hundredth year of my company. Uh, I'll fly your family. We had two little ones at that time. Uh, I'll fly your family to Hawaii and you'll you'll do this play. And, and then he's said what they paid and we go oh maybe we do do that sure you know we'll try that 
that sounds fun. And so we did it, and we did it like in plain clothes instead of like the outfit that I normally wear on Broadway. So did that, and then it that part just really blew up. Like the speaking area really blew up as far as companies go and mm-hmm. all that. So and then that just led to the book, which your book is called "There Is No Plan B for Your A Game." That's right. And what's what's the the best message um, that you give in that book? Is that about that? Like, is it a not having a plan B? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the reason uh, the title is is what it is. Uh, having no plan B is because my mom was like that, you know. And uh, she, I just remember, I'm the youngest of six kids, right? So I have four older sisters and one older brother. And I had this dream when I was a kid, and I wrote it on this piece of paper that I wanted to be the best safety in the world, mm. right? Not even really knowing what a safety did. I only knew they stopped people. They tackled right. people. That's all I knew. So I wrote that up. I followed it. But on the way to following it, I, you know, you're getting rejected left and right. Like I wasn't even recruited to go to college uh, and play football. And so my mom's friends would come over to the house and they would, I remember them sitting, you know, with my mom having a glass of wine and they'd say, you know, um, Bo and Tony, that's my brother's name, uh, they have these big dreams, you know, but we don't know any pro athletes and there's not any from our area. So maybe they should have a plan B. And my mom would take these ladies and throw them out of our house. I love that. I love it. And slam the door and never to be seen again. Mm -hmm. And right then, and I was young and I go, man, this is serious, right? So she knows I just I didn't even know what plan B meant at that time but I I said if my mom's so serious about this and she throws her best friends out of the house then this must mean something. Yeah. Right and that's where the title came from. It's just we just didn't have any options and I think you know uh these days a lot of us go well man I've got a lot of options. I want my kids to have a lot of options. And I always say I don't know. Well, this is a fight that Michael and I get in a lot because so I didn't go to college because I didn't want a plan B for what I wanted to do. So I was just like, when I graduate high school, I'm moving to L.A. I'm going to be an actress and I don't want a plan B because if I have a plan B, then I'm going to end up being the accountant that I go to school to be or, you know, get my degree in. And, you know, my parent, my dad did not love that at all. My mom was like, go, go, Uh, go live your dreams and because everything she wanted to do. And so, you know, with our kids now, I'm like, if Jolie comes to me and says, you know, I I don't want to get a degree because I want to go do this. And I can't tell her you can't do that because you need a plan B. If she's going to go move to L.A. and be an an actress or, or wherever she wants to go or. I can't, how could I tell her, no, you have to get a degree when I didn't and yeah. I'm doing amazing, Yeah, you know? And yeah. she's like, well, what if it doesn't work out? I'm like, well, that's not the mindset you, that you should have. Well, it always works out. That's the thing. Yeah. If, if you have a plan B, then plan B is working out yeah. right? for sure. I mean, yeah. it's just how human beings are made. You know, we're going to go to the, the, the road that's easier. Mm-hmm. So if you have a plan B, which is always easier, a fallback plan. Once or, plan A gets hard, they're going to start turning towards heck it. Yeah. And I love just seeing the title. I love so much because, you know, in, in the world that we came from, when, when in professional athletics, so many people, I feel like just only talk about plan B. I remember when I first got, uh, I signed as an undrafted free agent out of college with Jacksonville and I signed my contract before I even stepped foot on the field, I had relatives and family saying, so what are you going to do after you're done playing? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, this, that, doesn't, that has no relevance right now. I was like, this is what I'm doing. I have to put everything into, the, into this and yeah. for the exact reason that you're saying. Otherwise, it won't happen. That's right. And so, But it's hard now. It's difficult having two young kids like we have and now thinking like my parents because my parents are always, they're very conservative. It's like, 
you know, when you finance a house, you do 30 year fixed mortgage. We've had the same career for 30 years. It's like, you know, that's what they do. And they always preach education, which I understand now as a parent, because I'm like with our kids, I don't want them. I want them to be somewhat educated in their choice. I don't want them just to have a dream one day they wake up and say they want to do something they take off and go do it yeah have some thought have a purpose behind it if you have the purpose behind it that's one thing but it's difficult because i already anticipate that struggle when the kids come of age it's like i'll be saying one and he'll say because we both because we we were both able to be that you know part of that one percent in our respective careers who didn't have plan b's but now as parents how do you so how have you guys approached that with your kids yeah that well, a lot of the book you'll see is the has the kids all in it because okay. the kids have really big dreams, mm-hmm. and they're completely unreasonable. Which you, they have to be, right? Absolutely. Like, you know how people always go, "Well, you should be reasonable about your dreams." I'm like, "Well, they're dreams. Right. Why are you to be reasonable about it?" I mean, look, it's the same work if you're going to do a have a mediocre life or have a have a uh, be the best in the world at something. It's this. It's the same kind of work. Mm-hmm. You still got to work. Um, why not have the big unreasonable one? Why not have the one that you dream about? And that's where people, do, you know, and people are just trying to protect you or protect me or protect you from yourself. You know, they're going, yeah, I don't know about moving to LA and becoming an actress. I hear that's really hard. Yeah, that is hard. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm going. Yeah. You know, digging ditches is hard too, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but somebody's going to do that work, yeah. right? And people are always trying to talk you out of your own dreams. So the kids are huge in the book. Uh, I have a 12-year-old son. You'll love this, uh, Michael. Um, he's When he was six, he drew up his 20-year plan, right? Mm-hmm. So he's seen, he's seen mine. My piece of paper is 50 years old now. Wow. And I still have it. So he saw it at six, and he goes, okay, I'm going to draw mine up. And he drew up, he wants to be the first guy ever to play in the NBA and the NFL. So that's never oh, wow. happened. Yeah. So it's ne- it's never happened. So we might as well be saying, "Oh, Axel, his name's Axel. Axel, you're going to be the first guy to walk on Mars." You know, because it's just never been done. Right. And since he's been six, and now he's twelve, he has been training, and I mean serious. Stop. He is oh God, dead serious, and it's his decision. Yes, it's he wants to do it. That's right, and the whole family just got behind it. And when strangers come over, they always want to soften the blow too, just like they were trying to do with you guys. They go, Axel, so so wait a second, Axel. Um, which one do you like better? And he will, he's a smart kid. He doesn't answer. He goes, I like them both. And they're going, so, or, you know, your, your dad played NFL and your uncle was a quarterback in the NFL. So maybe NFL. And he's like, no, I'm doing both. And he won't budge. I so is it. he good though? <laughs> he's re- he's I'm like, do you, do you think he can really? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no. He's, he's a, he's a, but what about when he's like in his twenties and, and, or like, okay, let's say like 18, 19, 20. And you're like, all right, the kid's not like, he's not cut for it. Yeah. Then what? Well, then he'll get his heart broken and that'll be it, but he won't have a plan but then, B. But then we're, then you're screwed. <laughs> so then what happens? No, where's the no, B? No, because th- there is no plan B. But A turns in, uh, if you, so A doesn't A work out. something else. Yeah. Well, A reveals the right A. Uh, okay. Right? It never. Are is. you sure it's not like a soft A minus? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the. Grading on the, the curve. Plus. Yeah. A minus. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it, you know, and look, here's the thing. If you don't have any options, like, you know, that's why if you look at elite athletes, the ones that we admire the most, the mm-hmm. ones that could really play, 
they didn't have an option. It's not like they were, you know, could do do anything else. It's not like they're they came from a wealthy family that can just fund them all the way through. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's why pro athletes are come from poor backgrounds. Yeah, you know, because there's not an option, and you got to get your family out of what they're in. So we're just doing the same thing with Axel. Go, okay, let's do this. Let's figure it out. Do you Unless think- it's hockey, right? Because hockey. Uh-huh. I, unless it's hockey, right? Because all the gear in hockey is expensive. I mean, yeah, you're not. You don't have the inner city <laughs> we kids. Got, we got the. Uh, she's marrying Mister uh, Gretzky's son over there. So, oh, are you really? Yeah. 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 So the, my kids go to the same school. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so you're all, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So the field's Amazing. named after Wayne. Yeah. yeah. Amazing school. Yeah. Cool school, like, right? Every time we drive by, I'm like, "You went to high school here." Yeah, like, I know. It's so cool. But yeah. yeah, no. So yeah, hockey is expensive. Hockey is very expensive. Because well, I yeah. remember like figure skating. It's like my skates were $3,000. Yeah. Back then, like, hello. Yeah. That's so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think today's society just with there's so many opportunities for, for these young guys coming in into any professional athletics. Is that a good thing? Is it too distracting? I mean, I'm kind of torn in between because yeah. it's like you can help one thing can help generate the other, but then where's their focus getting drawn yeah. to? Is it more of off the field stuff or on the field? Yeah. So do you think it's been beneficial or more kind of harmful for those guys in their in their playing careers? I think it's harder today. Yeah. Just because of all the distractions. I mean, look, when I played, we didn't have cell phones, right? right. So there was no Instagram. I mean, you weren't you weren't building a brand. You were just trying to win a game, you mm-hmm. know, for your city. Purely about the sport. Yeah, it was all sports. So the level of play was really high and very dangerous and violent, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as you watch this develop, like I'm even watching it with my kids, but you'll start to see, oh, this athlete isn't really concerned about winning this uh the NBA championship. They're more interested in building their brand or getting, you know, Facebook or Instagram, whatever they're whatever they're building, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a huge distraction because now, they, and I've I've talked to the guys in the locker room, and they said first thing first thing we used to do when we came in the locker room with if you lost, everyone's like, man, man, you know, everybody's upset, people are crying, people are going to lose their jobs, and if we won, everyone was drinking beer and was celebrating you. together, right? But now checking my phones. Yep, everyone goes to their phone in their separate, you know, quarters. So bad. So it's all separate. So it doesn't have that team building thing that we had, mm-hmm. you know. So I, 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 I'm watching my son go through this now, and I'm like, going, man, listen. And there's a piece in the book. It's a chapter in the book that's all about distractions these days, which is another, you know, goes right back to the title. What you were talking about, Jana, is look, if you're not playing a big enough game. This world's going to distract you because this world's really good at it. You know, the, the entertainment world is good. I mean, they're good at having you watch and listen to their stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, look, look, Axel, if you're going to make this thing come true, you're you you're going to have to be the guy. You're not a fan of other guys and other gals. You are the guy, mm-hmm. right? So you have to take that on in your own life. So you have to play such a big game that. Like he doesn't play video games, right? But all his buddies, they play video games all day. And I'm just going, look, Axel, watch. Watch how many hours that is per day that they're distracted and you're focused on your dream. Now, those hours are going to add up after 20 years. And it won't be a fair fight in 20 years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's what I want my kids to know. And like my daughter, who's 15, Eloise, 
she wants to be the best pastry chef, right? Mm-hmm. So same thing with her. It's just a it's just a different discipline. The principles are the same. Whether oh, yeah. you, you want to be the best tight end or the best safety, or you want to be the best pastry chef, it's the same thing. Like no options. Let's Can you put your thing. eggs in like different baskets? So still have the same dream, but still be able to do different things. I'm, you or know, is, what? It, is it spreading too thin? I think it is. Okay. I like to go one thing at a time, and then that always reveals the next path. So you couldn't still stay on the one and like still do it, but you, not have like. I bet you could, but I I think you have to learn the principles of mastery first. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I love this saying. Um, if you master one thing, so you were a tight end. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So the position of tight end or uh, voice singing, mm-hmm. right? You master your own voice. You master the plane of a position so specific to you, to you. Um, If you master one thing, you master all things. So when I went from being uh, the best safety to wanting to be the best stage performer, I sat down with Al Pacino because he was the, in 1990, he was the best stage performer of our time. And I said, dude, I want what you've got. Tell me what to do. I know how to do it as a, at a position in football, but how do I do it here, given I have no experience? And he laid out like 15 years, right, what I had to do. And basically what he said was the same thing that you and I did, same thing that you probably did, Jenna, which was spend – he just basically said you have to spend more time on a stage – your ass on a stage more than any other human being in the next 15 years. And if you do that and you play, you, you say the classic words, you say the classic text, you'll end up at the top because no one will be able to compete with you. Now, that was years ago. That was in 1990. So science now, they've done all kinds of studies and all kinds of science to prove that that's exactly right. That's 100% the case, regardless of discipline, regardless if it's safety or best stage performer or playwright or, or singer, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. Um, this one study, you guys will love this book. And, and how old are your kids? Uh, we have an almost 10-month-old <clears throat> baby boy oh my and gosh. a three-and-a-half-year-old little girl. Oh, great. You guys, they're so young. Good. Oh, yeah. This is perfect. Moldable. There's nothing more fun than raising little champions, you oh, know, dude, because. But oh. I'm scared, though, with the boy, just because I don't want him to feel like he can't be emotional or he has to be tough. So I, that, he's my biggest challenge with him, I think. So to, trying to not make him be too hard on him. Because I, I feel, I, I sometimes feel like him following in is like, Father's footsteps are being too hard. I'm like, no, like let's be a little. I don't want to be. I don't want to raise a softy, but at the same time, I feel like that balance is going to be a tough one to walk for both of us. I no, just my sense of you guys. I don't worry about that at all. Not mm-hmm. at all. The same with us. I mean, look, she's the one who's my wife, Dawn. She's the one who's tough. And it, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a theory that if you go back through the Spartans and they call them Spartan moms, uh, they go back through all the wars that have ever been fought. And every elite, elite performer there's ever been, it was because of the strength of the mom, not the dad. The dad is basically the cheerleader, like, go get him. And the mom can't buckle. And as soon as the mom buckles, now that country can't win a war. And this goes all the way back into the Spartan ages. Isn't this mm-hmm. crazy? That, that, that the Spartan moms were so tough. And so you got to go. And don't come back unless... You're on that shield. 
you know. So good. And so that's the that's the strength of any army, any team, any athlete, any performer. It's mm-hmm. the mom, always the mom, because they're just unbending. They don't like I get. I don't know if you're like this, but. Uh, when my kids get hurt, like I've, I've had a lot of surgeries, right? Oh, yeah. But when my kids get hurt, I free, I don't like it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like afraid they're going to, you know, like when they're bleeding and stuff. And Dawn's totally fine. My wife's like, totally fine. Uh, <laughs> just rub it, you know, rub it and get off, you know, put some dirt on it. You're good. Get over here. Mm-hmm. And that. Not my little Jake. <laughs> my little boy. Our, ta- our daughter's three and a half going on 13. So right now. <laughs> We're probably both like, yeah, you'll be all right. But Jace, though, I'll be like, no, baby boy. He's my boy. That's your little man. He's my little And he's dude. 10 months? Yeah. Almost uh, 10 months. That's you, awesome. you know, it's interesting what you're saying, Bo, kind of about the mindset. It's, and I'll tell you what, with all of the, the type A personalities that, you know, we've all, I'm sure, been around, especially in our professions, I've never met someone in my life who can master multiple things better than my wife. Oh, yeah. In all honesty, I've never seen someone where, as many hats as she does and does it with like unwavering commitment and performance on everything that she does. It's fascinating and frustrating for me to watch because I'm like you where it's like when I do something, I have to do just that. Yeah. Because that's how all I've done my entire life is when I'm doing one thing, I put everything I have into this thing. When that's done, I can do the next thing. Yep. And which is frustrating to her because we work on a lot of different projects right now. You know, we have this, we have a uh, show online, we have a docu-series, we have another project that we're working on, all, all these different things that each day we might have to do a little bit of all of it. And it's, she's being, <laughs> she's able to do it without even blinking. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. I, I need a second here. I need, you know, but it's just, it, it, it's, that is my mindset. And it's, but I think it's important. Like I said, I think Jan is just an anomaly. I think yeah. she's just... A miracle worker somehow, but I feel like that is how I personally have to be. Yep. Otherwise, everything I do will be mediocre. Yep. hundred percent. No, I'm exact. Our relationship, Dawn's and mine, is exactly like yours. She can do it. I remember her watching her uh, when the kids were little, which you're probably going through this now, where cooking breakfast, nursing a baby, running my career. You know what I'm producing the play all at one time with a phone and and I'm like I I got to take the garbage out and that's the one thing I can do. You know, like you I got better I, than I, anybody else, baby. I tell you what. So it's true. I think that's true. Male, female is we got some Spartan wives, right? Spartan wives. How do you bring the a uh, the the plan? Not bring the plan B a into your marriage. Um. Same same principles as you being the best singer in the world or you being the best tight end in the world. The exact same principles. You have to make a declaration of that's what you're going to do. You know, no mm-hmm. different than the Declaration of Independence. It's just the same. Mm-hmm. You declare what you want, and mm-hmm. that always comes true. Here's the problem. People just don't do it. People think their marriage is just going to work out, you know? Yeah. It, it, that doesn't happen. You know, those don't – it's hard. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a – it's a commitment. It's no different than than your career. You know, it's like this is what was what we're going to build together. That's. It sounds like that's what you guys are doing too. What we've done is really like we're good at building stuff together. Like mm-hmm. and simple things like our home. You know, like building our home and then our building those our three kids and developing them and then building our play and building the movie and then building a speaking career and build. We built it and now the book. Mm-hmm. Things that we because she's uh, managing your 
everything mm-hmm. in yeah. life. Yeah. Cause that's a, like, yeah. Same Z's. Yeah. Same. You guys would still be, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Doing uh, one thing. Taking the trash out. Doing, right. one thing. Yeah. <laughs> doing that one thing. No, but it's, tr- I mean, it's, it's true though. I mean, that's to, to what you're saying. I mean, that's, you have to be the best, you know, the husband and the wife and you guys are doing it together and, noticing each other's strengths and weaknesses too and i was gonna ask how do you guys work together because because jen and i are two different people we have two different mindsets we have two different working styles depending on the project have you all faced challenges with working together and kind of how do you fight through this now we rarely argue about business stuff Mm -hmm. you know and she's she's always been on the production side and i've always been on the, the 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 stage side um, but now like the world's calling more for her to lead, to be out front, you know, I mean, she's always the leader, but she's kind of backstage leader. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but I think, um, we're really good together. Um, we don't really argue about stuff. She handles stuff that I don't want to do. And I handle stuff she doesn't want to do. So it's just like playing your position. You know, I'm, you know, like you, y- you know, you're going to lose, when the offensive linemen want to play quarterback, you right. know, because right. now no one's playing their position. No one's happy with their position. Same thing in marriage. When people want to play the other one's position and you start to get all out of balance. Now you're all screwed up. Okay. Now let me ask you on that. Then this is just from our personal experience. When you say, you know, Don will take care of things that you don't want to, you'll take care of things. She doesn't want to. Do you guys put pressure on each other for the timeline of when those certain things are accomplished? Yeah, I mean, we always uh, there's always a you know there's always a deadline, just like you guys for know, sure, right? Yeah, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, or is it like you know say my, I, I, what he's trying to call me out on? Uh, I'm like, not calling you out. I'm, I'm just I saying. like to I like things to be done yesterday, and so when I ask him to do something, it's like it's shocking to me that it takes him a week when I'm like I would have done it two days ago. Does that sound familiar, sweetheart? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, my wife, my wife is yeah. nodding. Um, that's yeah. exactly so again. I think it's the male female. It a hundred percent, which is why it's going to work. Mm-hmm. It's why it works. Right. You know, yeah. if we were all the same, that does not work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why the, you're right. It it's just doesn't. The reason you're attracted is the opposite. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's just how it goes. Like you somehow deep inside, you just love that he's like, can do one thing and do it well. I don't know if I love that <laughs> part at all. <laughs> it's like one of the least things I love. How, how boring would it be if like you never had to remind me of anything? <sighs> Sarah. Yeah. I'm just going to be quiet. This We're good right now. And I just am like, you know, like, <laughs> no, but I, I, I yeah, mm-hmm. I love being there. Di- I think it's good to be different to your point. Yeah. That part's good. Yeah, opposites attract. That's yeah. how it goes. Going back real quick, so when you retired and you got into into doing stage and everything, yeah, did you have a background in that? How did you know when you got out? Because it seemed like it was a pretty quick turnaround to you going from football into this is what I want to do. Yeah. How did you know so quickly? It's like, I'm doing this. Don, I, this is what we're doing. Let's go. You Settle know what? I was being wheeled off the field in the Orange Bowl in Miami. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, it was my seventh knee surgery. And as I was being, I was on a stretcher and I was being wheeled off and- um, I was 27, like 27, 28 years old. And I just remember going, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? And I remember like having arguments like with God, you know, like as I'm being wheeled off going, mm-hmm. what the hell, man? I, the one thing I do great is run and you keep taking these legs away. Like mm-hmm. I was having that kind of, 
And I thought to myself, I go, look, I've trained myself for 20 years to be the best at this one thing, but this one thing is not, does not cross over well to the civilian world, mm -hmm. which in those days you can really hurt people as a safety. You could really take shots at guys. And so that was my job, right? So I figured, man, if I, I'm, I'm not going to have a career in anything. And I thought of, in the very next moment, I thought of watching plays. I, and I'd never been in a play, but I'd seen plays before. Not, not necessarily acting, just plays, you know, being performed. And I was like, man, that is so cool how people can express themselves. And it's not even them. They're playing a character. And I never studied it. I didn't really know much about it. But after I had that surgery, after I went through a year of rehab, I went, I moved to New York. And I just got in every class I could get in. Just I, I followed the same principles it took me to get to the NFL. For sure. Same principles. And that's when I met Al Pacino, started studying, and eventually wrote the play. And then the play took off. Um, I just followed the same thing. It took years. It took like 15 years, mm -hmm. you know, to write it and to have it. Uh, Dawn produced it. And um, and she's producing the movie. So uh, Of course she that, is because she's a badass. Uh, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So that's... That transition was, it worked out pretty good. It just took a long time. And it came out of fear because I thought, man, how am I going to express myself the same way I did on NFL field? Because that, that's legal. You, know, you could hurt people and it's legal. Right. And I was good at that. And now I got to enter the civilian world. What am I going to do with myself? Mm. You know, how am I going to avoid prison? <laughs> and I said, and so, and so I thought, I figured if I can express myself on a stage, it'll be the same thing. It'll be the same exact thing, you know, a, di a little bit different dis discipline. Yeah. So did it. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Well, Bo, where can our listeners find you? Yeah. Uh, well, my website's boeason.com. Okay. Uh, the book, There's No Plan B for Your A Game, that they can go to boeasonbook.com. Okay. And that, just hit the, and that just hit the national bestsellers list yeah correct? yeah hit a bunch of yeah, bestsellers yeah there you go yeah it's very cool can you so get it on amazon the, you can get it on amazon or do you, you want get them on, to go to the website no, i mean you can get it on amazon okay. or okay. wherever you buy your books barnes and noble great um yeah it's everywhere perfect uh, yeah there is no plan b for your a game that's yeah. right that's right <laughs> words it. to live by seriously yes, no, i mean is. hey i yes, mean it, it worked for worked for me worked for you worked for you know for all of us in this room i love it that's right thank you thanks for having me thanks for coming out That's actually really good. Thank you. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Halloween. Remember when planning your costume as a kid was like the most fun you could ever have pre-Christmas? And now that you're an adult, Halloween feels less Halloween-y, am I right? Well, Meet Undies is bringing back the childlike joy of picking up the perfect costume with their spooky prints and Halloween costume onesies. That's right. Costumes. Onesies. <laughs> Me undies are spooky soft, like designed to be the best thing you've ever put on your body soft, like softer than a fluffy kitten dressed up in a pumpkin costume, like softer than the brains zombies love to eat. Oh, a little too far for Halloween? Okay. Well, you get the idea. These are the softest undies known to man. They're also available in sizes extra small to 4XL, soft for all. They're amazing. <laughs> Me Undies has the most unique prints out there, but the Halloween prints are on another spooky level. This year, Me Undies is coming out with a variety of festive prints to really put the boo in your booty. Their unique prints are designed to be mixed and matched and turned into the most guaranteed first prize of the costume contest costume. So if you don't feel like giving your house, that's cool. Um, so if you don't feel like leaving your house, that's cool too. Just wear the Halloween costume onesies to pass out candy and you're good to go. 
MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. This is a no-brainer, especially because they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. To get your 15% off your first pair, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash windown. That's MeUndies.com slash windown. I'm currently wearing MeUndies right now. Um, I have the ones with, actually the ones you got me, honey, with like... uh, the rose the rose vines the roses and vines on there and stuff oh, like yeah. that yesterday i wore the one actually like the valentine's day ones yeah. with like kisses and stuff <laughs> so they're amazing the day before that i think it was the camo so i got them all guys they're amazing uh it all started when my sister got me me undies for christmas a few years back i haven't yeah. worn anything since that was funny tara was like i know this is weird but i got you underwear <laughs> for christmas and i was like a little weird but that's super cute thanks and like- he's obsessed I have issues with bat wings. Can me undies help me with bat wings? What? Absolutely, it can help you with bat wings. Thank you. The women don't they, know what we're talking about, but we know. No, they keep you protected. They're super soft. Your boys don't stick as much. It's amazing. Thank you. Meundies.com slash wind down. Man, we really needed that right there. Yeah, he was so like, yeah, he was super energetic and I feel like I just got a little bit of an endorphin shot in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> we needed that personally. We needed that uh, as a couple. And I think it's very motivating going into the rest of our week. Yeah, I'm excited. No plan B? hmm <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's to hoping. <laughs> That's See a good sign. Week. That right there is a great sign. <laughs> that makes me happy hearing you guys yeah. laugh like that. <laughs> well that's it for wind down bye looking our best means taking time for renewal including skin renewal but anti-aging retinol can be harsh and irritating well Burt's Bees, my faves, have found nature's gentle yet powerful retinol alternative Bacuchiol and has made it the key ingredient in their Burt's Bees Renewal Skincare line, which includes a firming moisturizing cream, refining cleanser, and more. All formulated without parabens, phthalates, SLS, and petrolatum. Go to burtsbees.com slash renewal and take time for renewal today. Hey everyone, this is uh, Jake Brennan from the Disgraceland podcast, and I wanna quickly tell you about a show I'm executive producing called Dear Young Rocker. This is a music-driven podcast memoir by my friend, Chelsea Urson. Chelsea takes us on a journey through her formative years, and together, we relive the experience of being a teenager in a way that's raw, real, and instantly relatable. That's right, all the anxiety, awkwardness, insecurity, and formative weirdness that we all felt at one time or another growing up. If you love music and ever felt a little out of place, I have a feeling you're going to love this show. Dear Young Rocker is also set to a nostalgia-inducing soundtrack that will inspire you to pull out those albums from the 90s and the early 2000s. The first few episodes are available now, so search Dear Young Rocker wherever you listen to podcasts and give it a listen.